Today on the Ward Preacher Podcast, we look at the parable of the sower, parable of the wheat and tares, the pearl of great price, and other parables, and the reverse socialism that Jesus taught. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. All right. Um, starting off, we're looking at Matthew chapter 13. Our Come Follow Me curriculum also covers Luke 8 and 13, uh, which have some great stuff in them. We're just not going to cover them in our podcast today. So please read those independently. Let's get started with the parable of the sower. So Jesus tells a story to a group of people who have come to hear him teach. Um, totally made up, talks about this sower who's scattering his seeds in his field. And he says, some of the seeds fall by the way, and the fowls of the air come and devour them. Uh, some of the seeds fall on stony places. And uh, when the sun comes out, they don't have sufficient root, so they're scorched and wither. Some of the seeds fall among thorns. And uh, they get choked out by the thorns as they grow. Um, and then finally, some of them fall on good ground and produce either a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. And then he says, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. That's it. Lesson over. <laughs> Which is a little bit surprising. Uh, Jesus had been so clear in the Sermon on the Mount, describing exactly what he meant. And here he just tells this story about a sower and offers zero explanation, um, which causes some of the people to stop and think about what he's trying to say, um, particularly those closest to him. And he explains to them what he meant. Uh, which is really a valuable thing. Let's let's talk about the various types of ground in the parable of the sower. So we have some seed that uh, that falls by the way, uh, and of course the seed is pretty much the same. It it is capable of doing um, of producing good crops wherever it goes. It's how the ground receives it that's different. And so people are being compared to types of ground. So the stuff that goes by the wayside, um, Jesus describes it as this. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. Uh, I think that's significant. There is a real enemy no one hears the word of God in a vacuum to carefully look at the pros and cons and determine what would make the most sense. We are in a world with various pressures where people have different motivations for encouraging us to choose one way or another. 
and they will try to influence us if we are not very careful about how we receive that. Uh, you can see this sort of tendency when people read the Bible and they come away with, you know, maybe not a complete understanding. Maybe they just focus on a single passage, judge not, or God is love, or remember the Sabbath day like the Pharisees. They just fixate on one principle and they don't look at the context and they end up misunderstanding. Uh, other examples from the Bible, people who think, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved, and they miss all of the repentance and faith and, and, uh, and being born again that Jesus himself taught in favor of this convenient passage in Romans. Uh, or some people who are really opposed to the Bible will look at it and say, uh, well, God allowed slavery but forbade shellfish. And that's their takeaway from the Bible, um, but which is sad. Uh, uh, they, they aren't understanding the big picture. The same is true in other books of Scripture. For example, in the Book of Mormon, um, Abinadi was a prophet who was teaching King Noah, uh, from the son of Zenith, some of the Nephite people, and his wicked priests were so focused on the passages in Isaiah that described how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those that publish peace. Therefore, what he was saying, you know, his message of, you should be doing better, you need to repent and follow God, that was not in harmony with their understanding of the scriptures. And of course, Abinadi took several chapters to describe, you know, this is not the only thing that's in the scriptures. If you look at it in context, I mean, there are these things called the Ten Commandments. Maybe you should follow those. And then, and then when we look at the power that can come into our lives, when we follow the gospel, when we have faith and repent, then how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those that publish peace. Uh, it's important to realize each of us, no matter how long we've studied the scriptures, have an incomplete uh, uh, understanding of it. We are all vulnerable to having that which was good and planted in our heart taken away by the wicked one. Jesus' words are very applicable. All right, let's move to the next type of ground. Jesus describes stony ground. So the problem with stones is that they're large and thick enough that the roots cannot get beneath them. They can't go through them. And so it just has shallow roots that are spread at the top. Well, if you don't have a sufficient root-making capability um, and everything is peachy, you, you might be okay. But the moment that something difficult comes, well, that that can cause the entire plant to die. And we see this sort of thing, um, for example, uh, in people's zeal to establish a separation of church and state, which is not necessarily a bad thing. The church should not be making legal decisions and the, and the um, government should really not be making the, the moral pronouncements that it sometimes does. 
Um, and so the, there's nothing wrong with this idea of separation between church and state in that sense, but when it leads an individual to compartmentalizing religious thinking only to a single day of the week, when we think, well, you know, now's the time for church on Sunday, and other days of the week, it's time for me to not be religious. That is super dangerous. The roots of the plant must be allowed to penetrate to all areas, and sometimes that means accepting uncomfortable truths. For example, God lets bad things happen to good people. We must be prepared to deal with that. Or leaders of the church are and have been imperfect. That doesn't change that God leads his church. Um, it, it just means that our, our leaders can be imperfect. Uh, for example, another thing that, uh, that could be a stone is a comforting lie. For example, someone who thinks, oh, God loves me the way I am, therefore, he, want, he would not want me to put forth effort to work or to serve or repent because he loves me as I am. I'm good enough. And that's a very comforting lie that does not encourage us to fulfill our potential. The roots do not go in certain places where we do not like to change. Uh, or another example, God would not dare contradict my political views because they're based on reason and compassion. God wouldn't expect me to change my philosophies at all. That's off limits to God. And if you have that sort of stone in your ground, well, eventually, when God points out our weaknesses and our mistakes, that'll be a tough pill to swallow. That'll be a very tough pill to swallow, and some people just can't handle it, and they get scorched. Root-making is tied to being born again. Jesus asks us to make difficult choices, to change some of the, the most difficult-to-change parts of ourselves. He said uh, take, uh, that a man should take up his cross and follow him. Whereas uh, Moroni taught that a person should deny oneself of all ungodliness. Scriptures also teach in various places that we should pray always. This should always be a part of our life. Don't let a portion of our life be without God. All right, if we look at thorns, um, we're talking about ground here that is capable of producing plants. It produces the wheat. It can also produce thorns. The problem with the thorns is they don't produce what they're supposed to. That's not the purpose of being a part of the sower's property. Uh, you're meant to do something. And if we're giving our nourishment, if the ground gives its nutrients to some other plant, rather than the ones planted by the sower, it's not a particularly desirable spot of land. It's not able to fulfill its purpose, and it loses its value. Um, Jesus defined these thorns as the cares of the world. 
This is a prioritization situation. When you prioritize other concerns, the deceit of riches specifically mentioned, um, but it's not limited to that. It could be other things. We prioritize other things above the kingdom of God. We find the kingdom of God does not seem to flourish very much in our lives. Um, Jesus was very clear about this teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, where he declared, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust do, do corrupt, and where thieves do break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Finally, we have good ground. This is ground that fulfills the purpose of the sower. Not all of this ground is the same. Jesus describes ground that some of which produces an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. This is very important to understand. Not everyone is capable of doing the same stuff. We're all a little bit different, but we are all capable of fulfilling the purpose that God has given us if we respond to the word. There is no need to compare ourselves with other individuals uh, that, that may be in the church. God's deal is personal and individual. He wants us to serve him with all of our heart, might, mind, and strength. And if we do that, it'll be good enough. It'll be good enough. Jesus will make it okay. All right. Um, the next parable, the wheat and the tares. So a man sows wheat, which uh, Jesus later explains to his apostles. Uh, this man that's doing the sowing represents the son of man. It represents him, himself. And the wheat represent the children of God. And at night, an enemy sneaks in and sows tares, weeds, all throughout the field. And uh, his servants look and, and they're concerned about this. And he says, an enemy hath done this. And he identifies, you know, this is, this is not something we can just take away. We have to let them grow together. And at the end, then we'll separate them. So a little bit about how are these how are these uh, tares, which Jesus defines as the children of the devil, and the devil is the one who sows these tares. Uh, how did they become children of the devil? Are certain people destined to be evil? Is that what this is saying? Well, of course, no is the answer to that. Jesus. Um, gives a little clarification on what makes someone a child of God or not, uh, as he's arguing with some of the Pharisees later in uh, John chapter 8. He says, If God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, 
because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Your tendency to emulate one side or another makes you a child of that side, an heir of that kingdom. Jesus counsels us that we love our enemies in the Sermon on the Mount, that we may be the children of our Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. The idea is a child of either of these sides is someone who acts like it. Our behavior defines this. And the, that makes it really important when he says they're not immediately separated. This means a couple of things. First, it's possible for one of the tear to become one of the wheat. If you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's possible for you to become the type of person that does. You can change. Second, um, it is important for the whole purpose that God has that people who do awful things not immediately face the consequences. They might seem to be temporarily doing well because a person who is trying to be good, who makes good choices in spite of the bad, makes a much more important distinction, a much more powerful choice than a person who chooses good when evil isn't really an option. We do need to have this opposition. It makes our choices to be good more valuable and more developing to ourselves. In the end, finally, justice will be done. The wheat is preserved. The tares are destroyed. Justice will be done. The good guys win. All right, there are several other parables that I just want to touch on really quick. Uh, one of them, uh, the kingdom of heaven, like a merchant seeking goodly pearls, and he finds a pearl of great price, sells all that he has, so that he can have it. I think this is the idea that the merchant didn't sell just a lot of his things. He sold all of his things. He got rid of everything in his past life so that he could have a part of this thing of great value. And that is like the kingdom of God. We can't just give up part of our sins. We must give them all up. We must change ourselves to become children of God. Uh, the mustard seed, a tiny seed, but can grow to be so large that even birds will build nests and take shelter in them, like trees, which indicates the ability of small changes to make a big impact. Small and simple things can make a huge difference. The parable of the leaven, that a woman has a bit of leaven and she puts it into the dough and the whole becomes leavened. This is like the, the kingdom of, or the, the people of Israel, um, not the most numerous people, but through the covenants they have received, they are meant to help everyone in the world. 
And then he asks if the disciples understand, and they say yes, and he gives one more parable about a householder. He says, therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. In other words, those who understand these parables, those who have an ear to hear and have heard, are responsible for helping others to learn. We are responsible to help everyone else. This brings us to this idea of reverse socialism. Um, Jesus explains why he's teaching in parables using this interesting wording. He says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 12, For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from his shall be taken away even that he hath. So how can that be? Wouldn't he want the people that understand less to get a little bit more? Why would he give more to the people that already have more. Well, of course, he's not talking about possessions here. Um, we do have an obligation in terms of wealth to help people who are less fortunate, to be charitable. Uh, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about understanding. Those who seek understanding get more. Those who have more understanding seek more. Those who tend not to seek tend not to retain what they may have already gathered. This is really important. It's possible to lose understanding, especially spiritual knowledge. You must continue to seek, diligently seek, is the term used in the scriptures and applies to what Jesus was teaching. Ultimately, God does not always give us answers easily. He sometimes challenges us with examples, parables, or difficult times in our lives so that we can engage in root-making, fill our lives so that we will be able to stand. He wants us to come to him and develop a relationship to understand how to get answers. The counsel he gives at the end is applicable for everyone. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Next week, uh, in our Come Follow Me curriculum, we will be looking at Matthew chapters 14 and 15, Mark 6 and 7, John 5 and 6, probably emphasizing the scriptures in John, talking about feeding the 5,000 verses, his teachings on the bread of life. Um, of course, before you start on next week's lesson, make sure that you continue to study this week's material in the Come Follow Me curriculum. I appreciate everyone's support for the Ward Preacher podcast. This is Brett Jensen, and as always, fight on.